Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. Whether you are a student prepping for tests and boards or a CRNA here to earn CEUs, we are glad you've joined us. For more about us, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Core Anesthesia and online at coreanesthesia.com. Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. I'm Cole here with Tanner. Today we want to do a little bit different of a discussion rather than go through a specific anesthesia topic. We wanted to take this time to go through some of the changes that we see as anesthesia students from the mental side. This is a pretty big issue that we've noted both in our personal lives as well as our classmates. And we didn't know necessarily how big of a deal this was until really for me, it was when we were doing our scholarship a couple months ago. A lot of the essays that we were reading over from people throughout the country, whether it be students on the West Coast, the East Coast, the South, Midwest, really all over the place, seem to address the same issue in terms of that one of the big things they struggle with is the mental side of things going through school. And just there are so many different phases of school, whether you're at home trying to do a bunch of busy work, whether you're in clinical, uh, depending on what phase you're in, in the anesthesia curriculum and program that you're at, there just seems to be a lot of mental stress that can lead to anxiety, depression, and it's, it's not something that either of us take lightly. Uh, as we'll kind of get into this talk, it's something that we've both had to deal with for differing amounts of degrees for both anxiety and depression going through school, and we don't want to take this lightly because it is something that a lot of people do struggle with. Uh, anesthesia school is hard. It's, it's not something to overlook. It's, it's a very challenging program to go through, no matter what program you're in throughout the country. People that we've talked to from other schools all say the same thing. It's a very mentally challenging program. While it's it's possible to get through and you can get through it, we do want to just kind of go through from our personal experiences, just how we have tried to combat the mental strain, if you will, that the different phases of school poses. I think that, you know, this is just our experience and we hope that this will be helpful for you. A couple of months ago, we talked about on our Instagram account, loneliness and kind of how anesthesia school specifically highlights or maybe kind of pushes you into this lonely sector just because you are practicing by yourself. You're isolated from your classmates. Often you're isolated from your family, things like that. And I think that uh, oftentimes these issues that we're going to talk about today are kind of heightened or magnified or made worse by the idea that you think that you're the only one that is, you know, struggling with these things or going through these things, or maybe that you're not strong enough or as strong as your classmates who seemingly aren't dealing with these things. And I think we wanted to, you know, just share our experiences. And obviously this is not medical advice. This is not educational, even from, you know, a textbook or anything. This is just our experience. And we're hoping that this will resonate with some of you that some of you that have felt like, you know, this is something that you're only struggling with. And, uh, you know, maybe you're doubting if this is even the right career path for you. Uh, Cole and I just, you know, really feel strongly that probably more people deal with these things than let on to. And um, I think for us initially, we'll get into this here in a little bit, but we kind of, at first when we were struggling with different things, we were, quick to just kind of dismiss it and, you know, you got to try harder or maybe you're just not quite up to the task. And I think, you know, today, hopefully this is just a good talk of our experience. Hopefully again, 
maybe you resonate with it and this will be encouraging to you as you listen to this and uh, as you undoubtedly will probably experience some of the same things as you go through your programs. I think the first thing for me, our program, and, and this will be, again, just our experience. And so you know, that's all we can draw off of. But our program is, is front-loaded. So the first year and a half is just didactic. We don't do any clinicals for those first year and a half. And coming from working, you know, three 12-hour shifts into classes that are, you know, sporadically placed throughout the week, and then you have papers and you have uh, tests to study for and things like that. I think that was the first really adjustment to make into anesthesia school. I know for you, you have, or at the time you had just a one little one at home. And so you were kind of adjusting to life there while we started the program. But for me, it was stressful just not really knowing what anesthesia school looked like to begin with. I didn't have a lot of people ahead of me that I talked to that, you know, told me exactly what to expect or whatnot. And so I feel like it just felt like a huge daunting task up front and every day you're just kind of waiting for it to blow up into the nightmare of all these horror stories that you've heard of and you kind of just took it day by day all the while just waiting for you know it basically to uh, just be this horror story that you've heard people talk about I guess but for me that the the first change definitely was just getting back into school and getting back into the habits of studying and those types of things instead of working yeah, the first six months into the program really was a transition point for me. Before I started, after I got accepted into the program, I remember my wife is a surge tech and she was telling some of her coworkers that I got accepted into CRNA school. And I kid you not, multiple people just looked her straight in the face and said, get ready to have a divorce while you're going through school. Uh, this is going to be like the most challenging three years. And mm-hmm. I just kind of was like, yeah, I don't know why people always say that. Like our marriage is totally strong. We're going to be fine. Uh, But looking back now, that was like the first of many, many, many people that have along the way said different bits and pieces of things that strike fear uh, into different CRNA students. Uh, And that's just one example. Uh, Whereas then like Tanner was saying, I heard horror stories of different students prior to me that have got yelled at at clinical, made a mistake, uh, didn't pass the test and got kicked out of school. And so going into school, I was very apprehensive and very fearful of the things that could happen. And my mind was almost expecting the worst. And so that was just from the get-go, that was kind of something that threw me off guard because going into school prior to that, I was always somebody that was uh, glass full kind of a guy. I would always look at things on the positive light. I wouldn't let fear creep in at all. I would uh, always try to to make the best out of each situation and be joyful in those things. And just knowing that coming forward, as we kind of talk about kind of what I've been through in the last several years with school, uh, I just never would have thought that CRNA school would have had the effect it did on me in terms of allowing fear to take hold and the amount of anxiety that could take hold. So uh, that was just something that really changed going into school was just, I was starting to listen to all these different doubts, if you will, from different people. Right. And some of that's tough because it's like, some of it's cautionary advice, kind of what we're doing right now, talking about different things that are difficult for us. And you hear those things, people probably mean very well telling you about things that are tough for them or they experience and they don't want you to have to go through the same things. But at some point you hear, you know, a hundred of those things all in the first week and you're thinking, you know, like, what have I done? This is, 
you know, I, I can't believe that I'm about to spend three years of my life doing this because you hear all that advice kind of all jam packed together. And you just, like you say, you're kind of expecting the worst. I know for me, it was, I think a month and a half in. And I mean, honestly, our, our program kind of starts out slower just because you are just in classes. I don't mean it's easy, but it's slower as far as, you know, time that you're actually at the hospital, things like that compared to clinical now. But I was thinking, you know, like what, what are we doing? You know, it seemed like time was moving really slowly and I knew I still had basically three years to go and we had moved to a state that we'd never lived in before away from family, that kind of thing. And I, I remember my wife and I, Danny, we talked very seriously about like, we should, we should stop now if we're going to stop because we've only paid for, you know, one semester. And I think that was the first time for me that this has been a continual challenge is just the timeline and feeling like this is not going to, and basically this is the end all be all. You can't really compare it to life after school because all you know is life in school. And especially at the front thinking three more years of this, I just don't think, you know, it's worth it. I think in the first month to two months, we really went through a kind of a sobering gut check of, are we going to do this or not? And if we're not, we need to, you know, kind of make that decision now. And I don't think that's really gone away. Not that I don't want to do anesthesia, but the fact of, you know, am I up to the task of doing this for, you know, a full three years? And so for me, the first year, as Tanner said, was slower in the terms of we weren't required to be on campus doing a lot of actual face-to-face contact that first eight months, really. And it was a lot of studying from home. And that was what the big struggle was for my family right off the bat is that my wife Paige saw me home more than she's ever seen me home before. I was the guy prior to school that I would work my 312s and then either pick up an extra shift or I would be filling my time pretty much to the full and I would never have a lot of downtime at home. I was not the kind of guy that could just sit around at home. I would get very restless sitting at home. I always had to be doing something. And that was a big struggle for me those first eight months because I was at home so much, but I had so much busy work to do in terms of paper writing and just reading textbooks, et cetera, and just spending a lot of time at home doing all of that. And having a newborn, we had a six-month-old at the time when I started school. And so I was still getting used to being a father and how in, just how to help my wife. And my wife was trying to struggle with me being home, but yet not really able to help her with our son, Theo, just for the fact that I was busy with schoolwork. And we really struggled the first six months of trying to find that balance of, I was home more than I'd ever been before, but yet I really wasn't home because I had all this work to do. And uh, that was just the biggest transition for us. But really those first eight months flew by for me because I kind of got into a groove of, I would get up early, I would get all my busy work done in a couple hours, and then I would spend time with my family during the afternoon, evening hours. And then after Theo would go to bed, I would hit the books again and study for another four hours into the evening into the night. And that's kind of the groove that we got into. And I would really encourage any of you that are starting school, find that groove of you set aside these X amount of hours each day are going to be hardcore study time. It's not going to be my phone's out. I'm texting while I'm doing stuff. I'm watching TV in the background. I'm talking, you just literally it's just you and you're studying cram that stuff out and then take a complete break from it. Have that mental break and go 
do extracurricular activities, whether that's on a run, a walk, clean the house, extra time with your family, et cetera, that's just not focused on school. And that was the hardest part for me was getting used to always having something to do. Because when you worked the 312s in the ICU, when you weren't on shift and you clocked out, I mean, you just forgot about it. It wasn't, you never carried anything with you to the next week. You might've had the same patient the next week that you would continue. But for the most part, it wasn't a job where you have a project you're working on that you're going to pick up again the next time you step on that floor. It was, you clock out and you're done. And I was still used to that. And then here, now you start school again and it's, you get loaded with so many different busy work tasks that you have to do. And it just seems so overwhelming. And so it was hard to shut things down and just spend time with family and take that mental break when in the back of my mind, I had all these lists of things that I had to do. And so once I found that efficiency of and routine of these are the hours I'm working and I'm literally going to drop it. I don't care how much I have left. I'm going to just take some time to take a mental break. That's where I really found success during that first couple months of transitioning. Yeah, I completely agree with that because I think for me, that was something I really struggled with at first, just feeling kind of like you never were complete. You never could just sit down and be complete. I've got nothing to work on. And so I just started treating it like a job and my wife was going to work from, you know, she'd leave the house at seven in the morning, come back at five 30 or so. And I figured if I treated school like a job and I worked fully on school between those hours every single day, that surely I could get enough studying done, enough paper writing done, all those types of things done in that time frame, And really that helped me just completely set aside time in the evenings and the weekends to unplug from school. And I think that just made a huge difference in my ability to feel like I'm still, you know, living a normal life at some level because I just left school, you know, within that time frame. Obviously, if you have a big test on Monday or something, maybe a review over the weekends or things like that. But I think when I finally set those parameters of just treat school like a job, and like Cole said, you're not on your phone during the day, you're not on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you're just studying and you do that between seven and five. I have a hard time believing that you can't get everything done that you need to get done in 40 hours a week, you know? So I think that for me, that I just paid huge dividends for me mentally to have that time set aside. This is when I study, this is when I don't. And being able to just be present with my family, be present with friends, and not to always be thinking about school or, you know, what you have to do. So I kind of talked about this at the very beginning, but I remember thinking day one, you're just kind of waiting for things to blow up. People have warned you of the horrors of school and you take it day by day and you're, you know, it's it's overwhelming at first. But I feel like after the first two weeks of a semester, you kind of got you know, everything on your calendar, you understood what you had to do for that semester, you'd settle in. And I think it wasn't until my third semester that I had the first time that I just felt completely overwhelmed. I remember it was a transition from our summer semester into our fall semester. Our fall semester had basically a bunch more writing and things that we had to do, as well as having a pretty difficult class as well. And so I remember that first, you know, week or two, I just felt like, you know, I, there's just no way, right, that I'm going to do all this. You know, I'm going to be the first one in our class that gets kicked out because I can't keep up with grades. But I felt like that was kind of sneaky because I gone through the first two semesters, albeit very busy and definitely had 
you know, moments where you felt very stressed and taking hard tests, things like that. I'm not discounting that at all. But, you know, I kind of felt like I was getting into a stride by third semester. And then third semester, I was like, whoa, this is, this is too much. There's no way I'm getting all this done. I think that was, you know, just surprising to me because I was, again, feeling like I was kind of hitting my stride with the school and all that kind of thing. But I don't know about you, Cole, but for me, that was, I think, the first time in school that I just felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get all this done. I'm not going to be able to keep doing this. Are you looking to join an organization where you can work at your full scope of practice? Join Sound Anesthesia's team and benefit from CRNA leadership with over 20 years of experience. Sound CRNAs enjoy career development, a clear leadership pathway, robust well-being resources, and the ability to perform at the top of their license. Sound is dedicated to providing our CRNAs with the tools needed to thrive in their practice. With multiple nationwide opportunities, we are confident you will find the right program for you. Learn more at careers.soundphysicians.com. Yeah, those two weeks where we were about eight months in, because we started in January, and by the middle of August, we switched over, started that fall semester. We had about a week break, I think, between the summer semester and the fall. And we came back and we just got loaded upon with all this information for the semester. And it was by far the most we'd had up to this point. And it just seemed like so much more when you view everything you have to do over those next four months at one time. And I think that was what the hardest part was. It was just information overload in terms of how am I going to do all this? And I think that was really the biggest thing for me is seeing all that I had to do at one time rather than just take it one task at a time, one day at a time. And I've learned that now just not to become overwhelmed when I get all this information and task work that I have to do for the upcoming months, but rather just break it down into step by step. At the time though, I had not learned that and I became very overwhelmed with all the information. And I remember our it was really our first core anesthesia class and we started using all of our textbooks, such as Nagel, Howe, Miller, Barish, et cetera, that we had about probably six or seven of these big textbooks. And I'm assuming most of you are familiar with these textbooks and know how thick they are and how big they are. And for the first time starting to read them and you're going through a topic and your instructor says pretty much to read every chapter that deals with that topic from each book. And you don't know what the test is going to be on does she test on this specific book rather than this one, et cetera. And it's just, you don't know if you should read all the different chapters. And so I became very overwhelmed that first two weeks because not only did we get assigned all these papers that we had to write for our doctoral project and our theory classes on top of our first core anesthesia class. And it was that first semester that really everything got piled on. And I had another thing then that kind of from a life standpoint that added on to that during our week vacation right before we started school that fall semester, we were in Branson, Missouri with my family boating on Table Rock Lake. And one night we were going to go out to a nice restaurant. And I remember my wife was feeling nauseous the last two days prior to that. And she just kind of told me, she's like, man, I just feel weird about getting a drink tonight. What if I'm pregnant? And I was like, there's no way you're pregnant. Like, but I'll just get you a pregnancy test just to see. We weren't trying to get pregnant or anything. And Sure enough, she was pregnant, and I remember at first, at that point, I had just come off a really good note from the summer. I was feeling really good about school. I kind of hit my stride. I was doing well. My wife was 
really kind of shocked that she was pregnant and almost devastated in a way because she was at that point really content. We had talked about waiting until I finished school to have our second child. We wanted to have our first child before I started school. And then uh, when Theo was about three years old, when I graduated, we'd have our second child and Paige was really content to, to be like that. And so she was really shocked when she found out we were pregnant. And at that point though, I was completely fine with it. I just come off that high note of the end of the semester and we came back and we got just dumped upon of all that information in the fall. And it just hit me like in about a two day span. How am I going to do this? I have about two and a half years left of school. I have a, at that time, about a year old kid at home who was starting to get to the point where he was on the move everywhere. It's very hard for me to sit at home and study with him crying, nagging uh, at my side, wanting me to play with him. And now we have another kid on the way. How am I ever going to do this? And I just spiraled into this really anxiety type mode that I've never experienced in my life before. As I said, I've never been somebody that struggles with anxiety really at all. I was somebody that always just had a very full plate and just was able to balance stress really well, I feel like. And this was just a whole nother world that I never even knew existed people that I had heard about that struggle with anxiety and depression, I almost just poo-pooed it and said like they just need to suck it up because it's something they can just change their mindset on. And over the next six months, I just like spiraled into this ball of complete anxiety and listening to my inner doubt uh, and any type of fear that could take hold um, about I'm going to fail this test. I'm not going to be able to pass school. We're already this far into it and this much in debt. Uh, I basically... I'm not going to be able to pass now and I've kind of ruined our life in terms of a financial standpoint by being in this much debt. How am I going to get through this? Uh, and I just started listening to all this fear and really got to the point where over the course of like two weeks, I didn't hardly sleep at all. And I just started listening to these little doubts and fear in my head. And once I started listening to some of those, I started listening to bigger lies and bigger fears and then bigger ones and bigger ones. And it just kind of spiraled down to this point where I honestly, I could hardly get out of bed. And like it scared me to death even to get out of bed, to go to class for a, one day a week during that time, or even the class that we had two days a week. And, uh, it was really like the bottom for me. It was going through that first half of the fall semester. And thankfully we had a class that only lasted for half of the semester at that point. And so I gutted it out barely till October and I told myself, okay, I get to October. Um, I'm going to finish this class. Things are going to start going better. I'm not going to have as many papers to write. Um, it's going to go better. Well, we get to about that point and we have our eight week appointment and we get there and we find out there's no heartbeat. And so at this point, my wife has really grown ready to have the baby. She was very excited about it at this point and then was devastated. And I had kind of flipped to, I was originally super excited to have the baby when we first found out. And now I'm just like a ball of anxiety and mess and in a way almost relieved that we're having a miscarriage, which now I look back and feel awful about, but it was just this breaking point for me of, okay, now I um, no longer have the stress of having a second child and I'm done with this class, I should be feeling better now. And I, I just didn't, I was still this really poor mental um, capacity at that point where I had no confidence in myself. I listened to every type of doubt and fear that entered my mind. 
I listened to people in the classes above me saying about how hard these next couple months are going to be and how much of a struggle it's going to be. And looking back, one thing of advice I can give for somebody is when someone tells you a cautious type of advice about how hard something's going to be, obviously take caution with that, but don't let it become your end-all be-all. I've had so many people tell me about how hard different parts of this program is going to be going through it. And then I look back when I'm done going through it, and honestly, it was not near as bad as what they first made me believe it was going to be. And it was the fear of how hard and challenging something was going to be that really made it harder than it should have been in the first place. And I've noticed that my own interpretation and my own view of how something was was completely different than what all these people had told me. But I believe that it was going to be that hard. So while you should take caution and know that something will be hard if somebody tells you that, don't necessarily allow fear to take hold of you and prevent you from even trying it in the first place, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember talking to you in the parking lot outside of class one day, and you were just kind of sharing with me some of those things that you guys are going through. And I think anybody would admit that that's a lot to go through. And, um, you know, that's a very heavy circumstances to encounter on top of already a very mentally exhausting program and things like that. I think just from listening to you talk about all those different things, to me, it's amazing how quickly you can go from, you know, being good and being seemingly in control or, you know, hitting a good stride to, you know, you mentioned you could barely get out of bed to go to a class or something like that. So, I mean, when you look back at it, did you feel like that just happened so quickly? Or when you look back at it, do you feel like, no, that was probably, you know, just little things that were happening that didn't clue in on and happened over a period of time? Honestly, when I look back, it was over a three-day period yeah. for me because coming off that summer and going into that vacation that we had, I remember talking to my dad on the lake uh, just about how excited I was to continue with school, how uh, just really in enthusiastic I was about starting my anesthesia classes and how I really could see myself doing this profession and everything seemed to be clicking and going well. And literally a week later, in about a three-day period, I completely broke down and just stopped sleeping at night and became so anxious and it was just a spiral instantly. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, just like one element of anxiety or uh, I'll talk about here in a second, more like a depression and, and things like that, that is so tricky because I think you're, I think you go into denial because you think initially this isn't, this isn't real. Like five days ago, I was on the lake talking to my dad, things are great. And this is just a funk or this is, you know, I just need to get some sleep or whatever. And I think just how quickly you can go into, um, you know, an unhealthy state is kind of one of the things that's so tricky about it because uh, you don't reach out for help initially because you think you'll be fine on your own. And then that kind of perpetuates more and more, you know, problems or uh, you don't give it the weight that you probably would have if this is something that happened over a period of time or, you know, something like that. And so I feel like that's the thing that is in, in both of our cases, like I mentioned, I felt pretty good over the first two semesters. And then all of a sudden, when I felt like I was overwhelmed, I was, you know, kind of frustrated with myself because I thought, you know, you're like, you're better than this. You've got, 
you've, you've been doing this for some time now. You shouldn't be, you know, struggling with these same types of things. So I, I don't think that I was prepared or I guess vigilant to be expecting that I'd be, you know, dealing with anxiety, depression, those types of things so quickly when, you know, like you said, last week, things were going great. Right. And so moving past October, then to the second half of the fall semester, at this point, my wife and I had kind of gotten through those first couple of weeks after the miscarriage, just the, the mental strain that that put on us, both from the idea that we just lost our baby, but also the guilt. I had a lot of guilt at that point thinking, you know, is all the extra stress I put on my wife from me being so anxious is that ultimately what kind of led to the miscarriage and, and things like that. And that's something I struggled with over the next couple of months after that point. But going past that, I still struggled. I was, I was very weak at that point mentally in terms of not having any confidence in myself. I became very depressed at that point rather than anxious. I was more on the depressive side of just why, why am I like this now? I used to be such this joyful, confident person and I'm struggling so much on the inside. And while it maybe didn't look like that on the outside to some people, I just had no, no confidence in myself. And I believed every lie that my mind told me that I wouldn't be able to be good enough to get through school. I was going to fail. I uh, wasn't going to be a good anesthesia provider. And I really struggled with the idea of why am I not feeling better? There, there really is no reason because at that point, I mean, I was still getting fine grades. At, at this point, I just wanted to pass classes and I was still just struggling so much with why I wasn't feeling better. And so I remember uh, I went and saw my friend who had just graduated nurse practitioner program and he was uh, working in the hometown next to where I live. And I went and saw him and kind of told him all was going on. And uh, he prescribed me some antidepressants. And I remember a couple nights later, I was sitting, talking to my wife and um, we were debating about if I should start taking them or not, just to get me through school. And he told me it's something I could temporarily be on. Uh, just while going through school, a lot of people actually do have to go on them uh, during their their school years, and they can kind of get off of them once they're through all that extra stress of going through school. And it was a it was a big internal struggle for me because at that point, I felt like for me personally, it was almost in my mind if I was taking those medications, in my mind, it was almost like I was masking the idea that really I was succumbing to the depression and allowing that to take the better of me and that I needed something else to fix it. And I want to make it very clear though, that that was a personal decision for me and that there are many, many cases where people need those medications to help them through different parts of their depression and different parts of their anxiety. And I didn't feel like at the time I was quite at that point where I absolutely needed it, but there are most definitely cases where people need them for a time to help them get through uh, to prevent them, prevent them from doing desperate things. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that choosing and taking medication is not the right choice of action. But for me at that time, I really leaned towards my spiritual beliefs and I started praying a lot, going to church every Sunday. Uh, at that time, I, w- I was going to church every Sunday at that point, but I really became more centered on my spiritual relationship. I started a prayer journal and I started writing down things that I was going through because I had found uh, one of those nights in November, a journal I had started back in high school where I kind of wrote down some challenges I was going through at the time and seeing how God answered those prayers. 
And I found that journal and I just found myself kind of crying, looking through all those, uh, seeing what God had delivered me from and all these different challenges. And I was like, there, there's no way that he's not going to get me through this current challenge because he's gotten me through all these challenges in the past. And of course you look back at those things and they seem so small, uh, compared to the current struggle that you're going through. But now I look back at the challenges I went through the last two years of school, and I think the same thing. Uh, I wrote down every little challenge with each test, with each project I had to do, et cetera. And I started to see over the coming weeks how God got me through each of those things. And that really gave me the confidence moving forward that I should not be confident in myself, but really in my spiritual belief that I get my strength um, from God ultimately. And that was what was, was going to deliver me through school. And that really made the difference in terms of going forward from there. And it, it wasn't like a snap of my finger. I felt better all of a sudden. Uh, it took months. It really wasn't until about February, March, um, really right before COVID hit in March that I was feeling like I was back on track again and progressing forward. But uh, it was definitely a low, low six months um, that I never want to go through again, but I definitely feel stronger uh, from it. I think it's just important to know that that you're not alone with those things. Um, you know, it's hard to necessarily bring up those conversations with other people in your class. Maybe you don't know them as well, but I really do feel like finding people that you're able to communicate with, whether that's your family or you mentioned your friend who had, you know, just graduated nurse practitioner school, you're able to talk to. And I just feel like, you know, having a group of people that really able to come around you and without judgment kind of accept you where you're at and what you're struggling with is, is just so helpful. So just thanks for sharing all of that. I know some of those things are, are, are very painful and, um, but I think it's, you know, helpful to, to hear your experience with that and how you've, you've walked through that. So I think the, the, the next phase of schooling for us really was clinical. This is obviously where we still are at. Like Cole mentioned, we still have a few months before we're ready to graduate. But I think for clinical, there was a whole nother level of anxiety of, you know, what are they going to ask me? What are they going to think of me? This is again, where that kind of loneliness idea comes into play because you're not in the OR with other classmates. You're not there with them while you're doing skills for the first time or things like that. It's, you know, it's you and a CRNA anesthesia providers. So I think, you know, your highs are you know, really only celebrated with yourself and your lows, you feel like you kind of internalize those things and probably repeat those things over and over in your mind. And I think that was the first struggle I had with clinical was when you did do things that, you know, you're like, oh, I knew better or, um, you know, I knew that answer or, you know, I've really practiced that in sim lab. I really thought that was going to go better and it doesn't, you know, there's really no floor to that self talk as you walk away from that situation, you know, you, you, it's easy to say, you know, oh, I should have done this or I should have done better. Or, I should have done this. And, you know, nobody's going to just walk by you in the hallway and come and say, Hey, I noticed you're thinking a lot about that intubation you missed, you know, and, and encourage you, you know, that's something that you probably is just going on inside your own head. And again, unless you kind of talk with that to other people or communicate that with, um, you know, classmates or friends, I feel like that's something that was initially pretty frustrating for me. I know uh, Cole and I call each other quite frequently on the way home from clinical, especially after really frustrating days where we're just like, man, you know, it's, it's just cathartic to even talk about those things. And I think that's been a, a game changer for me. The other thing that 
again, this is kind of a, a common theme with me for from the beginning of the program till now is now that you're kind of in stride with clinical, you've been doing it for a while and it's long days, early mornings. I think for me, it's just another one of those phases where you think, am I ever going to finish this? You know, like the beginning of the program, I was thinking that after the first month or two when I had three years left, but now that I'm in clinical, you think, you know, I've done this for so many months and I still have this many months to go. It feels like waking up at four o'clock in the morning, every single morning from now until I graduate is just not doable. And so I think for me, I've been really struggling with more of depression and just feeling like you don't want to do anything that you don't really have uh, passion for, you know, even the cases you're doing or, or learning or anything like that. It's just for me, sometimes I can get very, very stuck in this rut of just looking at long-term goal and wanting so badly to be done with school and back to, you know, living a normal life. And I think, you know, part of that is, is COVID. I think you have to give some credit to COVID and restrictions and not being able to, uh, as we talked about earlier, have those outlets on the weekends and evenings to go on dates or, you know, go to a show or, um, you know, go hang out with friends. And so some of that, because that's all taken away, I think sometimes kind of tightens the screws on the difficulty of school. But I think that's for me is kind of the ongoing battle that I struggle with going through clinical now is just the seemingly, you know, non-ending cycle of it. And people will tell you all day long, it goes fast, it goes fast. But while you're going through it, you know, that's only helpful to some degree. Right. And for the sake of time, we don't want to go too much in depth with the clinical side of things. We want to do a whole separate talk on what the lifestyle looks like when you're in clinical in terms of dealing with different preceptors every day, going to different clinical sites, the mental strain and stress that you go through with that side of things. Uh, We want to take a full episode just to go through what we found that have worked for us, different things that we've learned, mistakes that we've made in terms of how to deal with the loneliness side of things of being with a different preceptor every day. And then when you just start to get used to the people that work at that current site that you're at, you move to another site and you have to start all over again. You're uncomfortable. And it's just a, a different challenge. And that's why I think the hard thing about anesthesia school is there's so many phases that you go through. And just when you start to get used to one phase, you get shifted into the next. But ultimately, I can honestly say it has grown me so far into a man that's so much different than when I first started school in terms of my ability to be used to change, to adapt, to be flexible, my mental strength and fortitude, especially with endurance, because this is not a sprint. Uh, This is not a sprint whatsoever. This is, as Tanner said, you just have so many days of doing the thing over and over and over. And it is just, you're in it for the long haul. And as he said, we still have a couple months to go, but at this point, I can honestly say, I feel like we're over the hump in terms of I can see the finish line. It's on the horizon. Uh, It's definitely a long way out, but I can see it. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm excited for what it's going to bring, but it's just been very interesting to see the process of going through school and how it's shaped me and molded me. And really I had to get broken down and stripped down in order to start building myself up to this better person that I am now. And I feel much more apt to handle stressful situations in the OR to know that I'm going to have that mental fortitude, mental confidence to deal with different situations, deal with different personalities that are tough to deal with and uh, how to hold my own, but also take good, adequate care of, of, of my patients. And 
I think there's a lot to be said for that. While if I would have just came right out of the ICU and jumped right into this, I don't think necessarily that I would be uh, the best anesthesia provider if I didn't have to go through the hurdles that I have over the last two and a half years. Yeah, I totally agree. I think part of anesthesia school is designed, you know, to make you tough and to make you level-headed and make you be able to balance the challenges of a dynamic situation in OR so you keep the patient safe. But I think the point of this episode is we just want people to know that they're not alone with whatever they're struggling with. Surely if you are dealing with anxiety, depression, or you know any number of other things while going through school, you're, you're not the only one that is dealing with that. People often put on a brave face when they go to clinicals or when they're in the classroom, and you don't even realize that you know, your classmates are dealing with things. I've had conversations with other classmates that I had no idea you were struggling with, you know, different things during school. You know, it's just, we're all in this together. And hopefully uh, you guys are able to identify a little bit with uh, kind of our story and the different challenges that we've been through. And I just want you guys to know that you're not alone, that this is something that we all encounter as we go through anesthesia school, some of it for our betterment, and um, that doesn't make it any less hard. And so uh, everybody's hard is hard. My wife always says that, that everybody has different challenges and what you may take in stride. Somebody else may, um, you know, be the thing that just completely devastates their day. And so uh, everybody's hard is hard and they uh, all have different unique challenges. But I think as anesthesia students, we have more of those challenges that are similar than are different. And, um, you know, this is just our experience, how we've kind of managed our way through anesthesia school. Hopefully this is helpful for you guys as you go through your programs. If you're at that point where you do really feel like you don't want to continue on, you want to quit you're suffering with that depression of the lifestyle you're currently in with school, or you're very anxious with different phases of your program. And you just don't want to continue. I I remember at one point, like I literally told my wife, I don't think I could go another day. I I have no desire. I'm so burnt out. I, I don't even like anesthesia anymore. I have no desire to do this whatsoever. And I set little goals. I said, okay, I'm going to make it to the end of this week. Then I'm going to make it to the end of the next week. I'm going to try to make it to the end of this coming month, make it to the end of this semester. And it was just little goals at a time. And my high school cross-country coach always had a different quote of the day for each practice. And one of the quotes that always stuck with me and I use going through this program is a quote by Jerry Rice that says, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I will do what others can't. And it was the idea that you have the choice to do something for this coming day that you easily could do or you could not do, and it's your choice. But if you continue to choose to do those things, tomorrow you'll soon be able to do something that other people can't do. And I really feel like even though we haven't graduated yet, we've already become to that place so far where we're already able to do things that we could not have done a couple months ago just by choosing to stick with this and do things every day. And that's just a quote that's kind of stayed in my head when things get tough is I know this is going to make me stronger because of it. Uh, Praise God. I'm at the point now where I've been for over a year now, completely free of that depression and anxiety. And obviously there's still things that can be anxious with school. That's just the nature of school. You're not going to be completely anxious free, but I'm at the point now where it's all within reason. I know 
that there is a time and a place to be nervous and stressed out about something that's, that's healthy, but I'm using that in terms of a positive stress and not a negative stress. And I'm at the point now where I feel like I've made it through that, where as we talked about in our previous episode, Paige and I are expecting our second child now, which is kind of ironic because that's the original thing that flipped me into this down spiral to begin <laughs> right, with. Yeah. But we're at the point now where uh, I talked about it with my wife and it was almost like a renewal and we really wanted to make 2020 our renewal year. Uh, and one last thing I want to note that if you are struggling, please, please, please reach out to your program director, any faculty in your program, family members. Don't keep it within yourself. Don't feel self-shame uh, for feeling this way because it is normal to feel this way. As I said, when we did our scholarship a couple months ago, it really opened my eyes to how many people actually struggle with this. And as I said, there's people from all over the country that submitted applications to us that said the same thing and that they struggled with anxiety. They struggle with feeling burnt out. And this is something that a lot of people go through. So if you are somebody that is feeling like this, do not feel self-shame and tear yourself down further for feeling this way, but, but seek help because it honestly was the best decision I ever did was to start talking about it with other people. As Tanner said, I reached out to him. He was somebody in my class that could relate. I talked to my family, talked to my friends from home. There was a lot of different pieces that went into this and it wasn't something that just changed overnight, but do not resort to negative things that are going to bring you down. Just really, really seek out different people that can help you. Uh, I know a lot of programs have counselors that you can go talk to and just get into a, a healthy way of trying to treat this rather than making more negative choices to try to mask your depressive feelings, your anxiety feelings. Um, that being said, if you're somebody that doesn't suffer with this, be very thankful that you don't suffer with this because as I said a couple of years ago, I was like that and I looked at other people that did suffer with it and I thought they just needed to suck it up. But it honestly was something that if I could suck it up, trust me, I would have, but it was something that I could not just make go away and it was a long, long process. And so if you are somebody that doesn't struggle with it, first of all, great for you. Kudos to you. Keep your guard up to prevent it from ever happening because like I said, it happened in a matter of a weekend for me where I spiraled down. But if you know somebody in your class that is struggling with it, be a resource for them. Uh, honestly, Tanner's been a huge resource for me. Um, so just be that, that person to help another one of your classmates do it. Absolutely. I think that's uh, something that it's, again, like Cole said, difficult to bring up because you're nervous that somebody's not going to uh, think the same way of you or, you know, you, you just don't want to talk with somebody about it. I think like Cole mentioned for me, talking with people has been the, that's been the first step of just talking to somebody and, you know, affirming that's really what I'm struggling with and I need uh, help and I just need, you know, kind of to acknowledge what's going on. And the flip side, like Cole said, if you don't struggle with it, be empathetic and, don't try to explain it away or talk it away. Uh, be empathetic. Be a support system for each other. We're all going through anesthesia school, and we can do this. Many people have done it before us, obviously. But I think as we you know, support each other and care for each other, that we really can make a difference for ourselves and our classmates as we go through anesthesia school. 